You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm here to discuss the Texas A&M game. Auburn won this one 28-20. The end score may not sound like we won by a lot, but think about it. Most of the game, even from the very beginning, we dominated it. I felt like we kind of let up a little bit in the third and fourth quarters, but by the end of the game, we put together that, that very long, very consistent 11 rushes in a drive and scored on a touchdown uh, to get us up to 28 points. Uh, ben, my co-host, you just came from vacation. Chill. How did you experience the game? You got back just in time to experience uh, the Texas A&M-Auburn game. Um, what did you think of the game? I uh, I did. We landed, and then I turned on CBS on my phone, and right before kickoff, watched the first half in the car, uh, second half at my in-laws. And Man, this was probably the chillest that I have felt watching an Auburn game in a long time. And definitely this season, uh, even it, it was even more chill. Like I just felt like we had the whole game in control uh, against some of the smaller opponents. Yeah, we kind of expected it to be like that, but in this game, you know, coming into it, everyone was choosing Texas A&M except for Lee Corso, who you know, thankfully it wasn't the premier game, so we didn't get a curse <laughs> on that. So shout out to you, Lee. Thank you for not being an idiot like the other guys. And, yeah, uh, man, we just came out. I, I was so glad that they deferred. We got the ball and just punched him straight in the mouth. Oh, yeah. And immediately. We just put the punch him in the mouth, knocked him on the ground, put our foot on their throat, and didn't take it off until the fourth quarter. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how how many people expected us. When you go into halftime and you're you're up 14 to 3 against Texas A&M in Aggieland, in Aggieland, 100,000 fans, remind you, true freshman quarterback at the helm what like that that any i'm pretty sure any auburn fan would have taken that um this was uh, for the most part a game that i was just sitting back watching and admiring admiring the defense for shutting them down i think it was it was a very long time before the aggies actually got into the red zone it might have been almost to the fourth quarter before the aggies actually got to um got to the red zone besides that one time where they got the field goal. And that, that is a testament to our defense, um, keeping us in the game, but then also our offense. Um, it gives the offense a confidence that we don't have to do anything super special to win this game. Uh, and Gus's play calling, uh, while most of the time it seemed to be pretty decent. I mean, there, there were definitely times where the plays just didn't seem to work or he'd run the same play a couple of times. That was kind of frustrating but i mean overall <laughs> it it worked and a win is a win especially an away win i mean this is our second win away from home against a nationally ranked opponent auburn is the only team in the nation that has two wins over a nationally ranked opponent feels good two, doesn't it the, the only team to have two wins over a ranked opponent and both of those oregon and now texas a&m were away games now the neutral site whatever is still away it's not in your home field so there's some uncomfortability with that 
there's there's got to be something said for that. Um, and we've beat the spread every time. So again, showing hey, Vegas is uh, as good as they are. Auburn's just exceeding what Vegas is predicting. Uh, obviously beat it this time. They were predicting Texas A&M to win by four points or three points, depending on which one you were looking at. But we ended up winning by eight. So beat beat it by twelve points. Uh, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, ben, overall, what did you think of our offense and how they they were able to put drives together? Man, it depends because when Gus wanted to roll out the good plays, you know we executed fairly well. There were a couple times where we had a play strung up and we kind of blundered a little bit, and uh, Gus was pretty upset about it. There were a couple sure touchdowns that were overthrown, and there were a couple plays for maybe some designated running that didn't necessarily come to fruition. Yeah. So either way on there, I I feel like Gus called good plays when he needed to, and about halfway through the game, right after we went up 21 points to three, he pretty much just closed the playbook and was like, all right, we're just going to run the ball. And we didn't do anything really fancy from there. I, I loved seeing the Lutzy play, mm-hmm. uh, For the sure. speed around with yeah. Schwartz, Cali, fifty-seven yard the reverse. to start the game. <sighs> Beautiful. Like those were some fantastically drawn-up plays at the perfect time, and they just worked to perfection. And then the rest of it was just executing the offense, the base offense, the yeah. one that we've seen in the first three games. Yeah, and from that, it doesn't shock me. Texas A&M now has, before, they had three games of film on us. So they kind of knew what to expect as far as our base offense. So that's why a lot of times our defense started to, or our offense started to slow down because Texas A&M's defense was there and ready. They had seen what we were going to do. Uh, and that's why there were a few drives where Gus decided, hey, we're going to pull out some new plays and, uh, run some different plays out of the same look that we've given and it, it worked a lot of times um, like you said there were a couple of missed passes but it's a true freshman it's Bo Nix and he you can tell you can tell he just needs to settle down just a little and I don't know if that's just excitement like ooh ooh that guy's open and he just you know puts a little too much oomph into it but he once he settles that down, I mean that's that's really my biggest criticism is his overthrows because he did have three of them, um, and at least two of those would have been almost for sure touchdowns. Uh, so that's that's okay. I'm okay with that being a true freshman. Uh, the game easily could have been a lot higher scoring for Auburn if we had completed those. But you know, if those are the only bad passing plays that we that we had, you know what? I'll take it. Um, what did you think of how we, we handled our run game? Because one thing that I noticed with the run game, I'm pretty sure we started Shivers. I don't know if he was officially the starter, but <laughs> Shivers started running the ball a lot at the beginning of the game. And then leading into the second half, we got Booby Whitlow, our feature back. And that's when Booby was about as fresh as he could be. And, that's when I felt like we just started to really attack the run game. What did you think of our run game with that? Yeah, we had seven guys carry the ball, including the two quarterbacks. So spreading it out a lot, I think, helped. You know, put up 193 yards and limited Booby to only 18 carries, whereas we were giving him upwards of 30 the last few games. And that's just honestly too much for him this early in the season. So by being able to spread the ball around a little bit more, 
run some pretty good uh, rushing plays, especially the one mentioned before to Schwartz. That opened up the run game. And also, you know, I'll count this out as part of the rushing attack. The offensive line actually played pretty well. Yeah, I we thought so too. Some big holes, and and I think it gave guys like Bo Nix, who seemed to be in previous games almost ready to just flee the pocket, time. And it, I feel like he's just almost, he's got to still build up that trust level with the offensive line for sure. Uh, one thing also, as far as passing goes, and how the offensive line. Uh, I guess bouncing back to uh, passing. One thing that uh, Tristan Madden last week, uh, when we were reviewing uh, how Auburn's offenses typically run, uh, we tend to uh, best Auburn teams, at least under Gus Malzahn, average about 21 pass plays per game. Uh, and that's, he was looking back at the 2010 season, the 2013, and I think 2017 season to some extent. Um, and, Maybe I'm wrong about 2017, but for sure 2010 and 2013. And guess what Auburn threw this this week? They had 21 pass attempts. And I think we were going back to our roots of Gus Malzahn where we needed to run the ball. Um, and that's where I think we we kind of took the, the pressure a little bit off of Bo Nix, being a true freshman in front of 100,000-plus fans, and said, we're going to run the ball. And – Against the team of Texas A&M, that was one of the top teams at stopping the rush coming into this game. And yet we were still able to put up 193 yards as a team uh, against Texas A&M. Um, what, what did you think of our uh, the way we distributed the ball as far as running backs-wise? Because it, it felt like we did a decent job of you know passing the ball around and not putting every single load on Booby Willow. Even though Booby obviously had the most carries, it it wasn't like we were running him thirty plus times. It was he ran the ball eighteen times this game. How did you think we managed that? I thought it was great. Uh having Sean Shivers and Booby as the main two running backs, throwing in Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove here and there, Malik Miller for a couple runs, and then having Joey Gatewood get a little more in the mix for some designated runs on his own as well. It was a it was a good way to spread the ball around for everyone. I feel like we didn't need to pass the ball in a lot of cases because our rushing attack was working so well. And of course, we did get stopped for a handful of three and outs, and we need to address that. But for the most part, that was really when we had already closed up the offensive playbook, and we were just trying to kill the clock at that point. And you know, I part of me doesn't like that, but part of me also understands that you know Gus is playing the long game here, right? Yeah, and he sees Texas A&M as just a small portion of the overall season. We still have Florida, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama within the top ten that we have to play within the next eight weeks. So Gus is he's being very conservative right now, and I think it's probably a pretty smart thing to do. Yeah, don't don't give the other teams too much tape to look at. Hide some of your good plays. Hide some of your good formations. Get get ready for those big games coming up. Don't show too much early. Yeah, or put don't put Booby in the way of getting injured and running him too much. Like uh, that was one of the biggest criticisms we've even had of Gus and the way he handles his running backs is putting his running back in a situation where he's running too much and sometimes gets injured uh, and plays that really in the grand scheme of thing don't matter. You can put in a 
a backup running back, a Malik Miller, somebody that doesn't get as many touches in a game typically. And you'll probably get decent amount of yardage. Just, you know, keep them honest. Um, and I felt like we did a decent job with that too. Um, I mean, mostly it was Shivers and Booby. Um, I don't even think we saw Cam Martin this game. At least he didn't record a stat. Uh, and then, of course, you got to keep him uh, kind of, con- I don't know, you got to keep Texas A&M uh, from loading the box. And the way that we tended to do that was, hey, let's throw in every once in a while the Joey Gatewood package. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're going to load up the box like they did on that uh, touchdown pass from Joey Gatewood, you know what? We actually had two wide receivers that were wide open in the end zone <laughs> and he could have thrown it to either of them. And that's what happens when they try to load up the box and that that'll keep teams from in the future uh, trying to just, you know, stop Joey Gatewood, stop him. He'll, he'll pass it over your head. Even uh, I saw a post game interview with Joey. Maybe he's being a little cocky or whatever. I don't know. Prideful. But he was saying, you haven't even seen me throw the ball yet. And just, yeah, I, mean, I agree. We've only seen what that little like five yard route that uh, was ran over the middle of the field and then the touchdown pass uh, from this game. That's all we've seen in a SEC or NCAA football game. So we, we got to expect, like, I can definitely expect that Joey will be able to uh, do some extra things uh, because I'm sure Gus has got some fancy and fun things for Joey to, to do. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there was at least one play where Joey was in there, and we also had Bo out as a wide receiver. Uh, I think we were called for something. I yeah, want to say was, it was like, what was that, like offsides or something? It was either offsides or no delay of game. Oh, yeah, that was a delay of game. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know something was good, something good was about to happen because, I mean, I felt like Gus – he gets mad over you know mental mistakes like delay of games, but hey, that's uh, he he was like, extra mad, uh, <laughs> and I think he was just ready to go. He was ready to uh, like run some special play out of that, or yeah, at least it, have have a look. He yelled at Matthew Hill after that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the play was, but I'm very interested to see it later on in the season because it looked like a it was going to be something special. Yeah, exactly. Uh. As far as wide receivers go, uh, because we didn't have to pass the ball a whole lot, uh, we didn't have to – none of our wide receivers got too many catches. The highest one was Seth Williams. He had four catches for 46 yards and that touchdown slant. Ben, we threw a slant route. Well, it was great. It was great. Well executed. Uh, touchdown, baby. That's right. Look look what happens when you flow throw to the, the actual middle of the field. <laughs> yep. Instead of the flats. Like, yeah. Wow. Really? I know. Whoa. Put the big guy, Seth Williams, uh, put him on one-on-one uh, pass coverage, and look what happens. It's uh, pretty impressive. So, hey, you know what? Gus has done as much criticism as he's got. He did a couple of things, even this game, that uh, with the slant route and then the tight end pass. Yeah. Hey, we've passed it to, and this is from Stat Tiger on Twitter, last season – we we only threw to the tight end position nine times. This year, we have targeted them only through four games, 11 times, even more than we did all of last season. So I think we're, we're finally, you know, <laughs> I don't know if, if us as fans or if Gus is just realizing we can pass to a tight end. Tight end's a, uh, an open receiver. 
let's use them. Um, and it seems to be working uh, because John Chamberlain Shinker got that touchdown from Gatewood doing the uh, teach me how to Shinker kind of pass, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny um, that we did that. And it, it worked to perfection. Um, also with that, I wanted to pull out uh, the H-back, our, our guy, uh, Spencer, not the fullback guy or H-back guy, whatever you want to say. <laughs> And he, uh, in that play for Gatewood, that touchdown uh, that was thrown to Schenker, he was in there to block. If he didn't block and hit that guy that was blitzing, it easily could have been blown up, a sack, a hit, something gone for wrong sure. with that. And that gave Gatewood just enough time to throw that. So wanted to point that out. Yeah, and um, he had to cover three guys. There were three guys coming. Yeah. He took the guy that was about to hit him, about yeah. to hit Joey. And uh, thankfully, that that ended up working out well. Uh, we also, I mean, I guess we just kind of glossed over it, but Seth Williams, he's back. How do you feel about having him back uh, after, what, just a couple games ago, him go down and think, wow, that could be his career right there, or at least this year, um, the season just end because of, you know, a shoulder, a clavicle, you know, something like that. How good does it feel that, to have Seth Williams back? We had a couple questions in this game. Uh, Seth Williams was probably the biggest one. Anthony Schwartz and Derek Brown were all questionable. We didn't know where they going to play. And to see them all come out on the field at the beginning of the game just made me feel so at peace. And when you have those type of weapons, especially Seth Williams, who you know pretty much you throw the ball up to him, he's going to catch it. To have him on the field in one of these big games... It it was definitely reassuring that you know Auburn was here to play and we didn't leave anything at home. So I was really excited about that. Yeah, and it definitely oh. proved to be you know a huge asset in the game too, having a touchdown. Yeah, and he almost uh, I don't know if you caught this because you were probably watching it on your phone, but did you see his almost attempt at doing a Sammy Coates throwdown on the defender? Did you see that early in the game? Mm, not sure. Okay. Well, it, it happened, and it was almost, it was very similar. It didn't happen, but, like, he tried to shrug him off, the guy was trying to tackle him. It was so close. And just thinking, you know, Sammy Cutts, number 18, Seth Williams, number 18. I don't know. I just, I thought that was pretty neat. <laughs> uh, probably had seen that before and thought, hey, this is Texas A&M. Maybe I can do it with them, too. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cool. Uh, let's talk about some defense. Uh, defense, again, shut A&M down for most of the game. Uh, it, it seemed like the defense really keyed in on them early on. Uh, I think even it, I mean, it seemed like Texas A&M didn't know how to move down the field against our defense. And, and to uh, something that made me happy, what what was something uh, that I'm thinking of, uh, or at least Ben, you were thinking of for the previous games that our defense hadn't done um, early on? Um, do you know where I'm getting at with this? Do you have any idea? Third downs? that We shut down most third downs. Yeah, third downs. I was just thinking, like, the first drive. It seemed like every team we've played this this season has been they, – they've scored on us on our first on their first drive down yeah. the field. Well, that's and why I was glad to receive the ball so yeah. we could go ahead and take the 12th man out right away. Yeah, and that, that ended up with a missed field goal. Um, 
And you know what? That that ended up working out. I mean, if they had made a couple of their field goals, it would have been a different game at the end. Um, but our defense held them far enough back to where their kicker ended up missing a couple of field goals. Um, now they were long, but uh, the defense held them out. Uh, I felt like the defense came out strong. I mean, it it came out with a fire that I was expecting. Um, a top 10, top 5 type defense uh, to have. Uh, one thing that I also noticed, we shut down A&M's run game. Uh, Texas A&M only had, besides, besides the quarterback, besides Mon's runs, only had 30 yards on the ground the whole game. 30 yards. Um, Mond was able to do some stuff. That was expected. But we kept him in check for most of the game. Uh, we only allowed him to get uh, 26 yards on the ground. Um, so I feel like that's that was a pretty successful day, um, really until I felt like we started to uh, probably, what, third quarter? Was that when you'd probably say third, fourth quarter when it seemed like we kind of like backed off a little bit and then started to allow Texas A&M to run and pass the ball a little bit more? Um, is that when you said, would you say like our our defense kind of took a step back a little bit? I'd say after we went up twenty-one to three, we just kind of cooled down for a bit. We're just like, all right, don't get hurt. And uh, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that we really just basically played, played kill the clock and prevent defense. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And I mean, if I'm Gus Malzahn and I'm three scores up against a team that is at their home, I I would be probably doing the same thing. Don't give up the long ball. Um, but it is kind of frustrating because I, I almost wanted it to be a score of like, hey, we won this game 21 to 10 or 21 to 3. I mean, that would be incredible. Well, I would have loved it to have been, what was it, 28 to 10, which it was at one yeah, point. it was. Because we would have beaten them better than Clemson would have at that point. But, you know, I don't know what happened at the end of the Clemson game either. So I, I'm not saying we're on par with Clemson at this time, but I do think, you know, being number seven in the nation right now, we definitely deserve to be in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about Javaris Davis. Um, what did you see out of him this game? Um, he ended up with four tackles and a couple pass deflections. Um, we always have a Javaris Davis watch, uh, or our Davis watch of previous years uh, with Carlton Davis um, past few years. Now Javaris Davis. What did you see out of Javaris Davis? Man, uh, he played tight. That was good. Sometimes too tight, but they let him. Uh, if you get to the man a little bit early in this game, that was fine. Yeah. Which was odd. Uh, if you hold on to the guy as he's running down the field, that's also fine. Which, <laughs> uh, it's okay. And, hey, at least uh, they caught it both ways. Even Aaron Murray. Even as biased as Aaron Murray was. Yeah, a little butthurt man. Least, <laughs> he, at least he, he recognized it as well, which I thought was kind of nice for him being a commentator. He's like, hey, at least they're calling it both ways. I was like, yep. yeah, they are. Yeah, true. And uh, which I guess that's fine. So, but yeah, they uh, they were letting the boys play, which allowed uh, Javaris Davis just you know take someone's head off every once in a while. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, I was I was proud of him for you know stopping most plays. the The passing attack by Texas A and M though was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I don't understand why they kept trying to run against us since we completely shut down the run game. If I was them, I would just continue to play, you know, pass and catch, because we were giving them room to to catch the ball, which scares me a little bit 
with LSU coming up in a few weeks. Yep. But we'll see. We got some yeah. time to get ready for that. Yeah. But I think guys like Javaris Davis, I mean, when it really mattered, there was like a there was a third down and Texas and M, if they had uh, gotten the first down, kept the drive going, they were about to score. And Javaris Davis made makes the tackle and then forces the field goal at the beginning of the game, earlier in the game. And uh, those are key plays. Those are times where I'm glad we have guys like Javaris Davis that will just attack the ball. Uh, he even almost had an interception. Uh, and I think his wide receiver didn't even see it coming, which was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> and then I uh, had a great pass breakup on second and 10 um, where he had just fantastic tight coverage. Uh, Daniel Thomas. I mean, my man didn't have too many stats, but he did cause a fumble and uh, he ended up recovering it. Um, so big time play for him. Uh, I know he's getting a lot of, uh, he's getting a lot of eyes on him now. Uh, just seeing how well he's playing, I could easily see him uh, if the way his season continues to go, and even last season, kind of leading into this one, it's showing that he's got the talent uh, to go and play in the NFL. Uh, another guy definitely to talk about our leading tackler, No Egmanogany. Uh, he uh, led with eight tackles, um, and uh, I felt like uh, he did decent uh for most of the game i didn't see anything too negative until probably about the fourth quarter where it seemed like he was just getting picked on it was uh mond was looking at ooh i can throw it to whoever's uh guarding iggy or iggy is guarding um and a lot of times he was able to complete the passes and credit to texas a&m's uh wide receivers it sure seemed like in the third and fourth, like especially the fourth quarter, they were just their wide receivers were catching everything, everything that Mond was throwing at them, and I I'm I'm amazed. I I was really amazed at that because um, they had to, they had to make the catches, and they were doing it. Um, what did you see out of uh, guys like Derek Brown, uh, Marlon Davidson in this game, the defensive line that uh, really shut down the run game? Well, I was. Really happy to see that Derek Brown came out on the field, and then Marlon Davidson. I know had like a he was out for a little bit with like a upper body injury or something like that, but he came back. Uh, you know, Derek Brown won the helmet sticker for this game, and he was always up in the play, which was great. Uh, four tackles, three for loss, two sacks. Like, can you do better than that? Typically, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I don't know of too many other great games where. He, guys like Derek Brown are moving almost at every position, it seemed like, on the line and was just blowing up plays. He he seemed to be almost at every key play. He was in there. Uh, a cool stat that uh, I believe Brandon Marcel pulled up was uh, he had four tackles, and each of those four tackles recorded minus 18 yards for the Aggies. None of them were positive plays. That's crazy. He was making tackles in the backfield um, every which way you looked. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was also kind of interesting with Derek Brown that uh, at the, what was it? Probably he was about to get on the bus. Uh, and <laughs> he, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it was great. And you're just thinking, what did he forget? And he like runs back into the locker room and then he goes and gets his Chick-fil-A that he forgot. And I was like, <laughs> 
Derek Brown, you might have just become my best friend because I love Chick-fil-A just about as much as you. I would definitely be like, stop, stop the bus. I got to get my Chick-fil-A. I need it. <laughs> you deserve uh, that Chick-fil-A after that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then even Derek Brown, just talk about a little bit more about him and how amazing uh, he had a game against Texas A&M. Uh, he almost had a one-handed interception. It was so close. He almost tipped it up to himself. Yeah. Um, would have had a maybe even a big boy touchdown if he had caught that. Been. <laughs> he was he was all out in the open, almost. Yeah, yeah. If he had probably just beaten the quarterback, he probably would have been gone. Uh, and I mean, good luck, Kellen Mond, tackling a three hundred plus ta- pound Derek Brown that has got some. Uh, I don't know. He he's got some muscle on him. He's got meat. He's not gonna be hard to. He's got to be easy to bring down. Um. So. I thought that was great. Um, obviously, he caused a fumble against Kellen Mond um, while he was throwing the ball. Uh, I mean, everything you, you saw out of Derrick Brown this game, I cannot praise him enough for how well he played this game. Um, Derrick Brown was asked after the game, uh, what like what was different about this game? And he was saying uh, the injury from last week, even though it was minor, kind of uh, opened his eyes to, hey, this may be your very last game. This may be the last game that you play ever in college football. Give it your all. And Derek Brown took that to heart. Uh, and that's that's what you saw out of him this game, is playing on fire. Mm. Uh, Marlon, K- Marlon Davidson, another guy on the defensive line, uh, he, he came out early in the game uh, with some sort of injury, it looked like. Uh, but then he came pretty much right back in. Uh, seemed to play pretty well. Um, even got a tackle for loss. Um, so, I mean, he, he seemed to also be a guy on the defensive line that we can uh, obviously trust later down the road. Uh, one guy that I do want to talk about, Ben, and I got frustrated with him, was Big Cat Bryant. Uh, he had, in this game, I believe three offsides? At least two, but I'm pretty sure it was three. Yeah, it happened way too often. And I was way thinking, too frequently. I'm amazed Kevin still isn't yanking him off the field yelling at him and saying, sit your butt down for the rest of the game <laughs> like, after the second one. Because that's inexcusable. And some of those uh, kind of kept A&M in the game um, later down the road of this game. Um, he did end up having three quarterback tackles, so you know, good job for that. But like three offsides, inexcusable for a defensive lineman. That's and a lot of times what he's doing is he's not in a three-point stance. He's just watching the ball. As soon as the ball is hiked, you go. You go get that quarterback. Yeah, um, I feel like they had to have been doing something with the the calling of the hike. Yeah. Because it got him way too often. So they must have been mixing up, you know, the way they snap the ball. It very much could be. <laughs> every once in a while, you know, he would he would play like you're supposed to and jump when he's supposed to once the ball's snapped. But then a couple plays later, once again, he's offsides because they're doing something with the ball snap and he's not watching the ball. He's probably listening. Yeah. That, that had to be it, because I just don't understand why else he would be just like full speed ahead, you know, a yard over on offsides for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't get that either, unless they were just noting he was watching the quarterback in his cadence or something and just didn't watch the ball at all. Because if that's the case, that's something that the coaches really have to work on, um, saying, you know what you're supposed to do. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. As soon as the ball moves, that's when you go. It's not yep. that hard. Um, to do. He's trying to jump it. It just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, 
our linebackers, I mean, I felt like they also played a key role in stopping Texas A&M's run game. Uh, you saw it particularly with KJ Downhill Brett, and I feel like KJ Downhill <laughs> Downhill Brett earned his nickname, Downhill. Uh, he got a few tackles for loss this game. Um, he really he he impresses me. He seems to know exactly where to go. He was uh, the team's second leading tackler with seven tackles. Uh, four of those were solo, and then he got a, a tackle for loss. I am very happy he's uh, taking off in that linebacker position. Uh, since we were, I don't think we were questioning whether or not the talent behind our seniors from last season at linebacker, uh, we'd be lacking too much in our linebackers this season. But it, it's good to see. It's almost confirmation the guys who have been watching uh, the players like Deshaun Davis are now taking on their own role at Auburn as at linebacker like KJ Britt is. Uh, another guy, uh, Zacoby McLean, uh, I, I was glad to see him play a little bit more. Um, he There was a dump down pass, and uh, I noticed that he uh, was pretty much right on the guy, like ready for the dump pass uh, from Marlon. Uh, so I, I'm glad to see that kind of thing, uh, almost eyeing out what, what the quarterback's going to do and be on your guy ready to tackle him as soon as he gets it or back the ball away. So props to him. Uh, Ben, before we move on to special teams, is there anything else that uh, you noted from our defense this game? Yeah, I feel like, you know, linebackers was the biggest question mark that we had going into the the season this year was we knew it was going to be next man up. We weren't sure really how they would fit into the defense, being that all the seniors graduated last year and that these guys definitely played a lot. We weren't sure, you know, would they be necessarily the Deshaun Davis quarterback of the defense type deal, or was it going to be more of, you know, defensive committee, the line does their thing, linebackers do theirs. But for sure, K.J. Britt's come in and filled that role from the get-go. I feel like from the beginning of the season, he has known what his role was and run it to perfection, and that's been fantastic. He's he's in on almost every play. You can see him flying around there, and... uh you know, when we have our front seven that are as stout as they are, it it really puts a lot of pressure on the opposing team. And that's why the defense was able to shut down, one, the run, and two, just Texas A&M as a whole up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's good to have guys that will hold, uh, that you can almost rely on. And you can even tell in the confidence of uh, Bo Nix and the defense, knowing that he, he can rely on the defense uh, when needed almost to uh, give the true freshman time to get that chemistry with his team and get the offense uh, moving down the field. And I think we're now just seeing some of the brilliance of of what this offense can be. I'm not saying it's brilliant yet, but you're seeing little taste of it. Uh, I mean, even the Anthony Schwartz one, uh, I mean, that's not anything super crazy. It's just a reverse. Uh, but if you get a couple of Texas A&M's guys or the defenders out of uh, out of where they should be, that's when the big plays come up. And Gus loves to uh, give some eye candy, and that's where the defenses really have to be uh, very uh, very focused on what they need to do and not get tricked by little flashy plays. Um, yeah. One more thing, uh, I know we mentioned him a little bit earlier, but. Christian Tut still, he is also all over the place when it comes to our defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and uh man he is he's an all out athlete by the way he plays on special teams and within the defense i'm so glad we have him on our team yeah i know you can tell the uh quickness and uh what is the term that they keep using it's like twitchiness i think is the word yeah. uh, he he just seems to you know make a quick move and you're thinking what just happened like he just you know jumped into a portal and went from one spot to another it seems like uh, that's how quick he can move from one spot to another. Um, something else I don't want, also wanted to just you know poke at because commentators are commentators, uh, and a lot of them are bad. Uh, but David Pollock made a statement during game day uh, on Saturday. Uh, he said one of the game's best offensive minds in Jimbo against one of the game's former best offensive minds in Gus. So that's how he was comparing them. I was like. So you're calling Gus a former offensive mind? All right, buddy. Look at this game. What did Jimbo do? Well, you know that Crap dumb defensive like dog. The third and fourth quarter. <laughs> that dumb defensive dog hasn't watched any of our games. He's just watching the scoreboard, and then he sees we're always winning, so he doesn't want to tune in. So <laughs> you know he can sit on his couch and you know watch his little puppies go play in the yard, <laughs> and then when they come to our house then uh you know he'll have to see exactly what Gus is made of yeah. and you know watch the dogs get whipped and go home with the tails in between the legs so it should be good yeah um, then we'll see who he calls former offensive guru that's right um all right let's finish off our top conversation about the Texas A&M game with special teams overall i felt like our special teams played pretty darn well the one caveat to that was the kickoff that went out of bounds for Anders besides that I felt like our punt return, our punt return coverage, I felt like it just did great. Um, what did you see out of our special teams this game? Yeah, no complaints besides the – that kick out of bounds was odd, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, think I don't know it, if it was just a he hit it wrong or something. Like it, it definitely wasn't meant to be that way. Yeah, I feel like one of these days either Christian Todd or Iggy's going to break one because they oh, yeah. were both really close. I mean, Iggy had that 31-yard return. Yeah, Christian Todd had one pretty similar on a mm-hmm. punt. Yeah, he actually had two. One was a thirty-yard return, and another was a twenty-two-yard. Yeah, return. but the the thirty thirty-one yard was it? Yeah, I feel like he had one guy to beat, and if it was he had the kicker. Him, I'm pretty sure because like I remember them showing that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the kicker because the A and M's players were like, "Yeah, good job to the kicker." And I was like, "Wow, if he had literally just beat the kicker, he'd been he would have been gone." Yeah, it's almost there. Iggy's fast. He'll get yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then as far as punt coverage, um, we allowed zero punt yards returned. Even though there were three punts that were returned, they netted out to be zero yards yeah, it was um, great. returned. That's a huge improvement. That was something I was honestly scared about. Our our defense or our special teams uh, punt coverage going down and tackling the guy. And I felt like we at least in this game, didn't have any issues with that. Well, you um, notice Sippus, I, he seems to be kicking the ball higher. Mm-hmm. He's not kicking it as long as he was. Yeah. He's just trying to change the field and uh, allow our guys to get up there, which is what we were saying he needed to do. So coaching has done well there, and Sippus is just booting it high and letting it fly. Yeah. I mean, he had to punt eight times this game, which is you know a little too much for my liking. But Agreed. Uh, he ended up averaging almost 44 yards per punt, 
which is right at right now his season average of punts. Uh, he ended up having a 54-yard long uh, this game, which for this season is uh, his longest punt. Uh, he also, I felt like he's he seems to be doing all right. Like he he's not wowing me by any means. But if it means no return, I am completely a okay with that. Um, and uh, one thing that you kind of saw out of Texas A&M's uh, punter, he can freaking boom the ball. Like he boomed the ball this game. He <laughs> boomed it 68 yards. Are you kidding me? It was nuts. And then he averaged 57 yards a punt. Um, there was even that one time where I think there was like two, maybe no, no, he had to punt the ball three times in a row because it was an offsides. It was <laughs> five guys in the backfield. It was just like a bunch of silly plays by Texas A&M. Uh, and then I felt like he just got really mad and just killed the ball. And that's when you saw Tut running backwards. He was like, wait, you're boomed it over my head still. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Uh, it's pretty impressive. He, he's got quite a leg um to to kick it that far uh also wanted to note this um i'm glad we've got booby on our hands team he seems to be at least in this play when they had the onside kick booby for sure was just ready to go and uh filled the ball cleanly uh and you know pretty much saved us the game uh guess from that point on it was all right we're just gonna run a little bit of clock uh and then that was the end of the game so uh, that was nice to see. Uh, and if we come into another situation like that, I think we'll be fine. For sure. Yep. Grab it. Go down. Look it in. Don't let anyone else get to it. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap up this show um, because I, I, I've seen just a lot of negativity about this team. And I don't know if it's just, you know, the Internet and social media and people just being angry at where our team's at. Um, but I've seen a lot of negativity and I don't I don't know why uh, other than. Yeah, I'm not completely pleased with this team. We're not perfect. We're four games in, and we haven't done anything extremely amazing. Like, oh wow, that was a fantastic, you know, hundred yard return by Christian Tut or something. But it's, I think we've done what it's we winning the to. game. It's winning the game. For uh, I mean, winning this game, won the Oregon game, you know, Kent State, and then even dominating uh, both Kent State and Tulane to some extent. Uh, that's, that's the kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Ben, what's your take on like uh, how this team and where they're at and, uh, where some of this negativity is coming from? Look, there's, there's two types of coaching schemes, right? You have the guys who just lay it all out there every game. And then you have the guys that make up really intricate special plays and they hold on to them until the perfect time and then unleash the beast. And the second is what Gus is. So Gus has his rinky-dink special plays that he's going to roll out every once in a while, and then he's got his base offense. Mm -hmm. And the base offense is all he needs to win games, typically. He'll run the base offense, and it's nothing special, and then he'll roll out something fantastic. And we've seen a few, you know, really stellar plays. Yeah. And he's holding on to a very thick book of plays that he's not releasing yet. This is four games in. He game plans for the big games. Like, yeah. Even in this game, you saw he pulled out that reverse for Anthony Schwartz. He was ready for that. He was so excited to have Anthony Schwartz back to use that against Texas A&M and then got him a very long touchdown run. That's the kind of 
uh, I feel like game scheming that he does. And we're never going to kill teams. That's just not the way Gus Malzahn coaches his team. He doesn't go all out for the entire 60 minutes. He plays until he feels like we have enough of a lead to hold on to, and then he runs out the clock. And you know what? It's come back to bite him. It has. Remember the national title 2013. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, Gus is able to hold on to the lead in those. Yeah. And he wants to protect guys and not show too much going forward. Yeah, that's probably his game plan is to not show too much going forward. Uh, I mean, you saw against this Texas A&M team, you're up three scores effectively with 18 points lead. Like for pretty much any other team, you're up by three scores and you're in your opponent's uh, field. That's pretty, I mean, that's a good lead. Uh, They have to get the ball back three times in a matter of seven, eight, nine minutes or something and score every single time. That's pretty low probability right there. Yep. Uh, so Gus was kind of playing the probability there. Um, something else that I saw people complaining about was Bo Nix. And I'm thinking, he's a true freshman. Because, like, give him a break. He was 12 of 20 for 100 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. Like, sure, he's not being as flashy as a Tua Tungabailoa or something. But what? It His doesn't offensive matter. scheme does not allow him to be. And I'm, I think right now we don't need him to be. No, we, we really don't. don't. Like I said, Auburn's best teams are around 20 to 21 passes per game. And that's what we did this game. And, and I felt like for a true freshman to not turn the ball over, that's incredible. That That's something that a lot of true freshmen cannot do and will not do I mean, in a big-time opposing game. No hate to our former quarterback, but look at Jarrett Stidman, his first start in the pros today. Mm. He threw a pick six. Yep, he did. So, look, even even our former quarterback, who was great and had really great moments on the planes, still has issues that Bo Nix is not making mistakes with. Yeah. I think Bo is doing fantastic. He's playing well above his years. He's being, you know, cautious with the ball. He overthrew a couple plays that could have made the score much bigger. And That's he, fine. He's going to get those gonna, fixed. Him and Gus are going to be like all right buddy just calm down like you just got a little too excited it kind of reminds me of uh then you have dogs I, I i my parents have a dog it's like the dog seeing you for the first time when you come home you're just like oh ooh, oh dog oh ooh, parents oh ooh, they're here i need food like that's the kind of excitement that i felt like bo was seeing oh i got an open receiver oh ooh, he's open open okay pass 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 like that's the kind of the equation that i'm getting i bet that would be a great little <laughs> you should sniff it. <laughs> go go back, find the tape, and do an audio voiceover. <laughs> That'll be great. I should. I, I'll go back and take that and uh, lay that over uh, Bo Nix. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there's Hastings. <laughs> oh, I can get on the ball. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I I think that's what is going through Bo Bo's head. He's just you know he's he's got the plenty of arm. I mean. For goodness sakes, he threw. Oh, he he overthrew Anthony Schwartz, the fastest guy in college football. Yep, he overthrew him. He's got an arm. Um, but anyways, uh, something else that I saw some some Auburn fans just griping over was, hey, we didn't uh, completely stop A and M, and I I felt like it's hard to stop a team for all four quarters, uh, especially when you saw how well Kellen Mond in that fourth quarter. That was the kind of Kellen Mond that I am super scared of. Uh, and when he is on, he is on. His wide receivers will catch 
everything. Literally everything thrown their way. Well, I honestly hope that Kelamon kills it the rest of the season. Yeah. Keep keep I mean, making he, us look good. Like he, he Tulane did, be... baby. Did you see Tulane? Yeah, exactly. Tulane is kicking butt. Did they beat like, Houston? I think they did. I think did that's they who they played. Winning? Yeah. They they won on like a last second touchdown pass or something like that. Wow. That just shows oh, yeah, that's the right. strength of yeah. schedule. I was just on Thursday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously we thought going into it, like most Auburn fans, Tulane wasn't the greatest of teams, but Well, I thought they were pretty good. And you know, Gus Gus definitely called him up. And that just shows, you know, I hope Kellen Mon has success the rest of the season. I hope Oregon wins the Pac twelve. I hope Tulane wins whatever they're in. <laughs> the AAC. I hope Kent State can take out another Kennesaw State or something like that. So Yeah. Yeah, the the teams that Auburn has played so far, we've played some of the best teams in their respective areas mm-hmm. out of anyone. Like And remember, how many touchdowns still... does Tua Taivangaloa have versus a top twenty five team? Zero. Yeah. And that's exactly. because they haven't played anyone. And guess what? That's the same thing for most other teams out there mm-hmm. right now. So we need to just calm down, know that Gus has got this thing under control, and, you know, just get on the bus and, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. It will be. I mean, there's going to be bumps down the road. But, hey, this is a game, like you said, it seemed to be the most calming of all of the games. Uh, just because from the very get-go, we were... We dominated. We dominated this game. For three quarters, we were lights out dominating. And you know what? If in the fourth quarter we want to chill out a little bit, protect our guys, and wait for the next game, just bleed the clock, that's that's Gus's prerogative. Would I like us to put in the second string and just run our regular offense? Same with the defense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what we should be doing. Yeah. But Gus doesn't like to run up the score, and Gus doesn't like to get people hurt. And Gus likes to prepare for the next game. And because of all of that, I understand that that's the way Gus is going to coach. And I'm fine with it. You know, either get on the bus or go home. Yeah. And I I think just be along for the ride. I mean, I'm all about be grateful for the wins that you get. Uh, My junior year, Auburn's 2012 season was miserable. Sitting in in the stands was miserable. You're sitting there. And you're watching your team do absolutely nothing, just giving up on the field. And we've had a lot more success since then. Uh, there's been some obviously rough games, but the the best games tend to be on these these almost amazing type plays. And just be along for the ride. These amazing plays will come. Gus will manufacture in a way these kind of magical plays. Our defense is going to keep us in games. I, while I'm kind of worried about games like LSU, while they're putting up 60 plus points against an SEC opponent, I I think our defense will be able to hold them to some extent. I I think our team's ready for just about any matchup that they've got this season. Uh, As long as we stay healthy, as long as we stay healthy, I think that's key. And once we get past the healthiness and we're good with that, I think our team could do something really incredible this season. Um, I mean, Ben, you and I in our previous show, I mean, we're you had us undefeated because you're a Barner, and uh, I love that. Uh, I think I had us uh, either like ten and two, or eleven and one, um, or nine and three at the very worst. Um, and I, I definitely see that for sure now. You're seeing Bo Nix develop, 
You're seeing defensive uh, stops. It, it's coming together. Be a little patient with these guys. Uh, don't don't be. We got to show everything because I think teams like LSU right now, when they're putting up sixty plus points on a team, they're showing a lot of stuff, and defenses will be able to key off on that and be able to shut them down later down the season. Uh, so I think it's you got to trust what Gus is doing a little bit. Um, the players obviously are all in for this. They're guys that came back this season just to play on this 2019 football season for Auburn. It's, it's going to be a ride and get ready for it. Um, so just hang in there guys. I know some of you still have negative feelings about this, but like it's, it's going to come around. Last thing I want to say on that is my college career was bookended by the two worst seasons that we've had in the past 20 years, 2008 and 2012. But you know what happened in the middle? National championship. Mm-hmm. And this team that we have right now is the best defense under Gus Malzahn's era, probably the best quarterback under Gus Malzahn's era, the best duo of quarterbacks under Gus Malzahn's era. Wait, are you saying better the than best, Cam? You know what? Gus wasn't actually the head coach then. He was okay. the, I mean, he was the yeah. offensive coordinator. So would you say that that's under the era of Gus Malzahn? I don't think so. We saw two era changes from 2008 when Tubbs went out and Chizik yeah. came in, and then Chizik went out and we brought Malzahn back. Under the Gus Malzahn era, this is the best team he's ever had. And look, we've we've made magic happen with a safety transfer from Georgia <laughs> at quarterback. Took us a national title true, and Very almost true. won it. So I'd say, you know, we're never going to be Alabama. And that's a good thing. Alabama can't keep their students in the student section. They have to track them like China. <laughs> it's ridiculous. True. They're so bored because every game is a given already. Yeah. That's not that way at Auburn. We have heart attack games. I'd like less heart attacks, but I still love the fact that it's a competition. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So people who don't understand Auburn football need to look back at our history and then look at this team and realize where we're at, where we came from, and where we're going because it's going to be good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, ben, before we go, do you want to give them your social media so they can stay in contact with you? Yeah, you guys can find me anywhere on social media at B-E-N-K-1-N-G and uh, on Saturdays at Captain Plainsman on Twitter. And then if you have any complaints, TMAD34. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter as well at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?